It's time for the VolQuest podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Good Tuesday afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the VolQuest podcast. The crew today is Rob Lewis, Brent Hubs, and Ben McKee. And it's always brought to you by Smoky Mountain Organics, East Tennessee's most trusted health and wellness store, focusing on the natural products and organic remedies to a variety of ailments. Three locations in East Tennessee, one right here in Knoxville, 8018 Kingston Pike, across the street from the Trader Joe's. And of course, you can buy online always at SmokyMountainOrganics.com. Uh, Francis Mauingoa, he picks Miami over Tennessee. That is what's, um, you know, is probably going to be what's remembered about this past weekend. Although we're going to get into a, a, a number of commits Tennessee World in three to be exact, including one that was critical in Christian Conyer. But Brent Hubs, what Tennessee fans are, you know, kind of remembering here, going back to work on a Tuesday morning, Tuesday afternoon, is Tennessee missed out on Francis, and it looked like the uh, the five star off the tackle. But, you know, was very much in it for Tennessee, but ended up picking Miami. Yeah, I mean, Tennessee got in that because of his relationship with Nico and was hoping that uh, the relationship with Nico would be enough to get it to the finish line. They got him here twice in a six-week period or less than six-week period of time, and um, it looked good. I mean, it looked like Friday that I kind of thought that the direction he was leaning was Tennessee, and um, they had a big family meeting while he was here on the official visit, and I think everything was – kind of moving in that direction. And then in the end, um, he continued and his family continued to have dialogues with Miami and uh, Miami pushed it over the top back to their favor on, um, I guess, Saturday or Sunday to, to kind of finish this thing off. And uh, I don't think Tennessee did anything wrong. Uh, I think they put their best foot forward and uh, had a really good visit with him. But in the end, you know, combination of coaching staff familiarity and uh, the fact that, um, you know, there's some, uh, ties to that Miami staff and uh, NIL and all those things factoring in. I think he felt like Miami was the best option for him. And we know Miami's spending a lot of money right now, Eric, a lot of money. They've made it very clear how much money they're spending right now. Yeah, they are. Uh, they, they certainly are. They've been they've been out in the forefront in the recruiting world the last couple of weeks and had not been shy about the new direction of, of college football and college recruiting. Rob, obviously, this is a very talented player, so it, it, it's tough. It, it, it's it's um, it's unfortunate since he misses out on him because I think he's going to be an unbelievable talent at the Power Five level. Uh, but how big of a blow is this? Since he still has guys on the board that they're very, very much involved with and and really like, you know, you got Sham, Lucas Simmons, um, you got a couple other guys uh, that, that are in that stand, Romel. Um, but how big of a of a blow is this for Tennessee? I would say not as big if you're able to get two of the next three that were just mentioned, right? Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, I, I, I totally get fans that are upset and you know, disappointed. And, and I think it's because of what, what Hubbard has touched on. I mean, the kid has been up here on your campus from a long way away, you know, really, you know, made a big time effort to get here, him and his family, twice in, in the last six weeks, once with his family. Uh, you had the tie to Nico. I mean, it seemed like those two may, maybe had a little bit of a bond. But, you know, to me, if you can, if, if you can take a step back to me to – the bigger story is that Tennessee, a team that was six and six last last year, had no ties to to this five star, you know, top five offensive tackle in the country kid. That you know that they're in there that deep, and, and Josh Heupel's what 15, 16 month of building his program. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's it hurts that you got that close and you didn't get it over the finish line. But Again, to to me, if if you can take a step back and look at the big picture, it, it says more that Tennessee was was in it that deep at this point in, in Heupel's rebuild. Exactly. Something that what you just said right there, Rob, something Brent just said. Ben, I, I think a lot of this can be 
It's going to carry me into the, the next conversation here that we'll get into. I mean, Tennessee would not have been in this race if not for Nico, right? Um, getting Francis on campus for the first time on Memorial Day weekend, seeing what he likes, and okay, well, I'm going to give this, I'm going to give this team a chance. I'm going to come back for an official visit. If not getting him on campus that one time just to see it for his own eyes, Tennessee really wouldn't have been in this one. And you credit all that to Nico, right? So you know, Nico was the reason, a big reason why Tennessee was in it for Carnell Tate, was in it for Francis. And though you miss out on both of those guys, I'm not sure how much luck Tennessee would have had with either one of those big five stars, if not for their five-star quarterback commit. Yeah, it's a really interesting conversation to me because obviously you you are spot on in making that comment that Tennessee never has a chance with big Francis if, it, if it's not for Nico and Tennessee never has a chance with Carnell Tate. Uh, if it's not for Nico, in my opinion. But on the flip side of that, I'm I'm kind of surprised that Tennessee hasn't benefited more from having Nico in the boat. And I, I realize that Arch Manning is this phenomenon right now because of his last name. But you, you see Arch Manning commit to Texas, a five-star quarterback, uh, the top quarterback in the class, depending on who you talk to. And since he committed a week and a half, two weeks ago, it's been commit to Texas after commit to Texas after commit to Texas. There's been a big draw there. And, and I'm surprised that, that there hasn't really been that for, for Nico. Uh, has, has there been a single commit to Tennessee because of Nico since Nico committed? Uh, he's helped them get their foot in the door with several big-time prospects. And I'm not at all blaming Nico whatsoever. Please, please do not. <laughs> uh, Sounds like think, you are. Think that I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure somebody's already typing up a message blaming me for blaming <laughs> Nico. But uh, I guess my overall point is is that it's not necessarily a, a Nico problem or a Josh Heupel problem that Tennessee is swinging and missing on Carnell Tate and, and Francis Malagoa. It's, it's more a result of kind of what Rob was touching at. Uh, you, you went seven and six last year and lost to Purdue in the Music City Bowl, and you haven't had a ton of success of late. And that that's a, a different standing than some of these other guys that you're going after that are committing to Alabama and Georgia and Clemson, uh, Miami, even, even though Miami hasn't been what those other schools that I just mentioned have been, they, they've had more recent success than Tennessee has uh, and Ohio state as well, obviously. So I don't know about you, Brent hubs, but I, I've been kind of surprised by Tennessee's lack of ability to get guys in the boat after Nico than just simply getting their foot in the door with some of these prospects. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious to see how the rest of this month, the next few weeks go. You know, what what does what does Selden do? Uh, what does Laycock do? You know, uh, what what about some of these other guys who were he, who were here the, this last weekend, this past or two weekends ago for the official visit when Nico was here? You know, what kind of effect that there that there has there. Uh, I, I don't know how much Arch had been working. I, I mean, and I don't want to compare him to to Peyton because he's he's had that his entire life. Uh, he will have that his entire life. I know this. I mean, Peyton had worked on a class before he ever committed to Tennessee. Um, and so there were a number of people that followed Peyton because he had worked on recruiting them for him kind of regardless of where he went, he was trying to assemble that class a, a little bit that way. And, you know, that's how the Marcus Nashes of the world and, and some of those guys ended up at Tennessee because Peyton had already been working that long before 
um, long before he com- or you know, a good bit before he committed. And that was back before the guys ever visited places together and saw each other on unofficial visits and that kind of thing. So I don't know how much Arch has been working to put stuff together. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I thought that there would be a little more buzz, I, I guess, with Nico and, and recruits and, and we'll see Then there may be, I mean, you get, you get Stanton, Eric, you get, um, Sham, uh, you, you know, you couple more guys who visited that, that big weekend when Nico was here, then, then you can certainly look at that and say there was a Nico effect, right. And, and there was a part of that going on there. Uh, so we'll see. I, I think it's a little too early to declare it one way or the other. Um, but it is interesting, more people, Tennessee's not been able to get more people and Texas is on this big run after Arch committed. Yeah. I, I think it's very important to remember that, Hey, this still is July the 5th. And I understand, um, you know, it's, uh, you got Arch Manning committing to Texas and I believe the count as of like last Friday. And I don't know if they got any more commits over the weekend. I don't know, but it was nine commits who have jumped on board since yeah, Arch Manning. 10. 10. 10. Okay. And so I, I think a lot of Tennessee fans, and rightfully so to a degree, to a degree, was expecting something like that, at least on the offensive end. Now, you know, there's been guys, uh, Ethan Davis is already committed, and I think he's going to be a phenomenal player uh, in this class if he comes in and, and, and you progresses the right way. Um, Nico, I believe, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there. And uh, Aiden Bustle, who I think is going to turn out to be a nice player, but he was already committed in this class. But you look at the defensive end, I mean, you know, I, I think Caleb Herring was going to come to Tennessee regardless, but I think it helps him jump in a little bit earlier because Nico's already here and then kind of help landing some of these ones that, you know, Tennessee's been uh, in bed with for quite some time in terms of, you know, Christian Conyer has been one to be a ball for, for a long time. John Slaughter, Jeremiah T. Lander. So I think there has been an effect, but it is fair to kind of whenever you stack it up against what's going on in Austin to say maybe maybe we were expecting a little bit more, at least on the offensive end, but it is still early, and I couldn't agree more. You know, Cam Selden's a guy this staff wants really, really bad. Stanton Rommel, a sham, you know, offensive tackles. Lucas Simmons, of course, uh, he's in that conversation. You know, this staff wants those guys, you know, a lot. Uh, Laycock, this staff really likes a wide receiver. So, you know, I think it's safe to say wait and see. And, and Ben, there's always guys that jump out later in the class, just like Justin Williams-Thomas last year that Tennessee can close on. There there has been a Nico effect. That, that wasn't the point of – what I was trying to make. There has been a Nico effect, as Brent immediately pointed out uh, when he spoke. Like Nathan Leacock, when we met him at the airport, spoke glowingly of Nico, and, and Nico was was preaching to him all weekend long. Uh, and and Nathan seemed to have really appreciated that. So there is a Nico effect, but I thought that there would be more an effect with Carnell Tate and Francis Malagoa and guys like that that you're seeing jump in with Arch at Texas, and it's not just Arch. How about Jalen Rashad at, at Miami? And I realize the whole NIL thing is going on at Miami as well as we, we just saw. Yeah. But another big-time quarterback going to a, a premier school and a lot of premier recruits following that quarterback after that quarterback jumps in the boat. I thought that there would be a, a, a bigger cachet, I guess, following Nico. And, like, the guys that you mentioned, I, I kind of think that Tennessee should get those guys – whether Nico's in the boat or not, Christian Conyers and and, and the Herrings. And, and th- those are guys that Tennessee should be able to get even without Nico. It's, I, I thought that with Nico, they'd be able to land a Carnell Tate or a Francis Malago. But as I said earlier, I think that has more to do with the recent success of Tennessee football in general, more so 
than Nico. So there's a Nico effect. I just kind of thought it would, it would be bigger like some of these other schools are experiencing. Well, here, here's the other thing, too. I mean, when you look at what Texas has got, Texas has got 10 commits since Arch Manning. Seven of them are from the state of Texas, including four offensive linemen. Okay, of the 10 that have committed, four of them are three-star players. They have a couple of defensive guys, two receivers that have jumped in the boat, and and both receivers that jumped in the boat were from Texas and were Texas leans before Arch Manning committed there when when you look at the history of where those guys uh, had visited and where they were gone from. So I I don't want to say – Arch has not had an effect, but but I think you can also look at that and say maybe that's not all the Arch effect either. I mean, because I, I think there was – I think of those four offensive linemen and the two, two three stars, they were all going to go to Texas when it was all said and done because Texas wanted them. So uh, I, I think a little bit of that on both ends of the spectrum, Eric, I think you got to be careful not to overblow it both directions because it's not like – it's not like there's been three top 10 or top 15 players in the country who have said, hey, I'm following Arch Manning to Texas. Now, maybe that ends up happening, but when you're talking about Carnell Tate and Francis, you're talking about two top 10 national players. That's not happening at, that's not happening at Texas right now with the commitment of Arch Manning. No, you're exactly right. Um, it, it's, it's important to keep kind of things in perspective. Those are nationally, you know, top 10, top 20, I think, I think Francis 21 per rivals, whatever the case may be, one of the best players in the country. So that's not to the extent that's happening in Austin. So I agree with that. Let me ask you this too. And Rob, please add on to this. You know, when, when Brent's done, it's something that was brought up in the chat last night. And and I think that uh, there's a good conversation around it. You got certain guys who you believe that, you know, you, you know, in the, in the era of name, image, and lightness with those opportunities that, you know, you might be overspending per se, you know, down the line or whatever. Um, if you were to miss out on one of those type guys, well, I mean, in, in the grand scheme of things, would it help to go essentially swap one for three? I'm not saying that's how it's going to turn out because you always want to take that guy. I mean, Tennessee would have been better with Francis Mauingoa. That's I, I'm not saying they wouldn't, but you know, is it, is it almost to, to this situation where you can say, okay, well, we're not, we're avoiding that to where maybe you can go add more than one now down the line. Well, I mean, in the history of sports with the draft, you, you have seen you have seen franchises make blockbuster deals where they've traded a superstar for a whole bunch of draft picks. Herschel Walker jumps to mind. We'll see what it did for the Dallas Cowboys. You've seen this happen with 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 draft picks in the NBA. I, I'm not comp- I'm not saying those two are the same, but but I, but I'm saying sometimes there there is the the sum is different, right, than, than the individual. I've said this for a month, and, and I believe this. If NIL stays at the pace it's it's staying at right now, there's two questions. One, is it sustainable? Okay, I ask that question because right now Texas A&M is in the mid-50s in recruiting, right? And they were a school that six months ago were – they were just dropping – everybody, the perception is they were just dropping bags upon bags to kids to get everybody that they wanted to come there. It was the greatest class ever assembled. Okay, they're not there right now. Why is that? I don't know. But I do think this, Rob, I think that you have to look at this if you're a head coach, GM, whatever you're doing, and you're trying to figure this out. Who are the three, four guys on each side of the ball that are must-gets for you? Okay, and then what's the limit you're going to go with that? How far are you going to go with getting those three or four guys? Because the perception fans have out there, Rob, is that – it's it's monopoly. It's monopoly money. You know, it's the game of life money, and you just you just 
you just spend, uh, you know, an, inf- an, an infinite amount of money to assemble a class. And that's just not the reality of where this thing is, Rob. Yeah. And I, and I, I think we're still learning over. I mean, is it sustainable? I don't, I don't know. I mean, the money's there. I mean, the same people, you know, at, at Tennessee, Texas A&M, Miami, I mean, the, the the big donors are the big donors. I mean, they're, they're always, you know, they've, they've been there for, for decades. I mean, I think it's sustainable just because, I mean, you know, you, you know, better than I do, however, I mean, yet people that historically write big checks every year. I mean, for they're given money, whether it's a name, image, a likeness, whether before, it's to, before to NIL use- was even a thought in anybody's head. I mean, you had people that were given millions and millions of dollars because they, they love their university they want to go, you know, they want to compete for championships in football and basketball. I mean, I think it is sustainable, but I I will be interested to see if, if it doesn't have ebb, ebbs and flows. If you don't have guys who, guys, families, women, whoever, donors who, you know, kind of get a little chafed, man, that didn't work out the way I thought it was going to. I'm not writing that check this year, you know, or I'm not, you know, I'm, this is really frustrating. I can't believe they get that guy, blah, blah, blah. But as, as far as the three for one thing, Eric, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that's a brand new spanking idea in, in college athletics for, for coaches to, to deal with. I mean, I just, it, it's just new territory. And I, I don't know that, that Josh Heupel has, has an answer for that, for how he's going to approach it. I will say this though, and I'm not, you know, Francis may turn out to be Anthony Munoz, but Hubbard, is there a harder position to project for what they're going to be in three years than offensive line? That 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 would make me more nervous than any other position to pay a kid big money at that position. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, it, it, those guys, Ben, are not always plug and plays. I mean, we've seen some freshmen come in and start, and I'm not saying Francis can't come in and play right away, but but they don't oftentimes have the same immediate impact that a corner has or an edge rusher has on third down. Um, you know, I mean, that, that's just that's just the reality, or a wide receiver. That's the reality of that position. Um, and so, again, I, I think you have to look at a little bit about where's your value. You know, who, who do you, what positions do you value the most? You know, and that's going to change every year based on your need, just like if you're a pro franchise, right? I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs right now are not, you know, they're, they're, they don't have quarterback as a priority list <laughs> on their needs. I mean, they've got other spots, you know, but but at some point in time, they're going to have a need. I mean, you know, you, you look at the, 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 the Colts. I mean, they're trying to figure it out since Peyton left. And, and the, the Steelers with Roethlisberger, I mean, what are they going to do at quarterback, right? So, it, you know, your, your needs change from year to year. But I think over the course of time, on an average, it's going to be corners – it's going to be edge rushers, and it'll be offensive tackles, much the same way it is in the NFL, right? A left tackle is the most valuable offensive lineman in the NFL. Do we all agree that? Yep. You know, quarterback on the defense, it's a guy who can get to the quarterback and a guy who can play man-to-man coverage on the outside. And, I mean, that's – I mean, the guy who can play man-to-man coverage on the outside is more valuable and worth more money than the safety. The offensive tackle is worth more money than the running back is. That's just that's just that's where football is right now. 
Yeah, I would agree. And, you know, the the guys in the middle linebackers, the running backs, the, you know, guards are starting to get paid more in the National Football League now, but for a long time, guards and centers weren't paid. So, you know, we'll see. It's going to be interesting to see how this all kind of kind of plays itself out over the next couple of years. Uh, commits Tennessee or, you know, the prospects Tennessee could be on the lookout for here in the next couple of days slash weeks. Uh, speaking of offensive linemen, Sham's going to, you know, he said he's going to make an announcement on July the 8th. Stanton Rommel is playing things close to the chest. Um, he has not announced a commitment date as of now. Lucas Simmons still has not announced a commitment date. Um, Jalen Smith, the linebacker, said a while ago he's going to commit somewhere on July the uh, July the 10th. And so there's, uh, you know, there, there's a couple more players that Tennessee is very much in on that they'll be kind of on commitment watch over the next couple uh, of weeks. Some guys who did jump in the boat this weekend. Um, and again, it was huge, absolutely huge. I know some fans will say, well, Tennessee should beat out Kentucky every single year. Listen, this was the number one player in the state of Kentucky. Um, and, and they made a strong, strong push late uh, here in the month of June, early July. But Tennessee lands Christian Conner, a guy that wanted to come to Tennessee for a couple months now. And I, I think, Ben, that was that was huge because I think Christian Conner, number one, he's the first cornerback of this class. Number two, he was destined for Tennessee for a long time, and Tennessee was able to close that deal. And I think he can turn out to be a pretty good player. Right. And everybody's freaking out about Francis. And, look, I, I, I get it. But at the end of the day, Tennessee's recruiting really well right now. At least I think that they are. Maybe I'm being naive, and sometimes I can be a little too glass half full. But – uh, I really do, given the circumstances of what Josh Heupel inherited and the, the FBI investigation, just just what FBI investigation, NCAA investigation. Hopefully, uh, there, there's not an FBI investigation over there. Uh, but uh, and given the recent track record of, of Tennessee football, to to land a Christian Conyer when I said it on the Monday Night Chat two chats ago, like beating Mark Stoops for the top player in the state of Kentucky right now when Kentucky has two 10-win seasons out of the last four years and has had recent success with defensive backs, that's a really impressive recruiting win for William Martinez and Tim Banks and Josh Heifel. And uh, there, there's been others like that. I, I know Caleb Herring is an in-state kid, but he, he's a guy that I think is going to be an absolute stud. Uh, and and they're still recruiting really well. And I, I think Fourth of July weekend, what was evident of that, you get Tyree Weathersby on Friday, uh, a real athletic, uh, quick uh, defensive end that, that Tennessee really likes. Uh, you get Christian Conyer, who is an absolute blazer. Uh, this team needs more speed. Offense and defense has great ball skills. I think he's going to be a really good football player. And then in the 2024 class, you get Jonathan Eccles, who many believe could be the, the top player in the class of 2024 or one of the top players in that class. And I know tight ends kind of a, a weird position in football right now. You don't necessarily need a tight end to be successful offensively, in my opinion, but it sure does help to have a Travis Kelsey type or, or a George Kittle, uh, a guy that can just absolutely uh, flip a game on its head and be a, a, a matchup nightmare. And that's what it seems that Jonathan Eccles is. He, he could play edge uh, on the defensive side of the ball, but Tennessee likes him at tight end. And that that's as big of a recruiting win as as you'll find uh, from, from Georgia originally. You go down to IMG and, and you land him. So uh, I know everybody's talking about Francis and Carnell Tate and everybody thinks that Tennessee's lost in this NIL space. And that, that's simply not true. Ten Tennessee has it together. NIL-wise, uh, given the, the landscape of NIL, in my opinion, and I, I think they're recruiting well given the circumstances of Josh Heupel being in year two. Austin said it best on the podcast three weeks ago. 
the judgment of where Tennessee is and kind of what this class looks like is going to be early August. This is a big month. How do they finish? Okay, you you don't you don't make the class on one getting one guy or losing one guy. Uh, as difficult as losing Francis on on the fourth was, because Tennessee was right there at the finish line, and you had a lot of things you think you thought going in your favor, but that's not going to come. That's not passing complete judgment. Now, you don't get Stanton, you don't get Sham, you you, you don't get Lucas, and you whiff on all those offensive tackles. We're we're having a different conversation in in, in the next two weeks. That that's why the rest of this month is going to be really important. Can Tennessee close? in some critical spots um, heading into fall camp, first week of fall camp, uh, and we'll see what this class looks like then. So you guys mentioned uh, another one of the commits Tennessee picked up. It was actually after the Francis news, so um, there was something there on a, on a Monday, Independence Day. But Jonathan Eccles, um, a rising junior, class of 2024, really nice player. Um, he's a really, really good defensive end right now. He plays wide receiver on offense. Tennessee likes him as a tight end makeup. He's about six foot, I believe, five already, about 240, somewhere around there. I had it in my write-up in the impact analysis. Nonetheless, Rob, what's it say to you that, obviously, with Alex Golish being the offensive coordinator, it kind of makes some sense. What's it say to you that Tennessee, for the second straight year, has gotten in uh, a really early you know, tight end in this class? I mean, th- this offense wants the tight end to be a prominent figure, whether it's pass catching, whether it's you know, lining up, you know, using it as a variable around this offense. I mean, I think that speaks a lot that they got another tight end to jump in early for the class of 2024. I think it's really impressive because it's not like you have a ton of game tape to the one there and say, hey, here's, you know, here, here, here's everything you can do in our offense. I mean, I think, you know, Jacob Warren, if you compare what Jacob Warren and Princeton fan had done earlier in their careers before last year, then yeah, they those, those guys had huge years, but I still think, I want to say they combined I, I, when we taped our position previews. I don't want to look it up. I think they combined for 33, 34 catches last year. I mean, talking about what you got out of the tight end position. So for Golish and Heifel to be able to sell, you know, what the tight end is going to look like in this offense, what's it's going to, what it's going to do when you got a pretty thin resume, you know, to, to show guys like, you know, Landon, Ethan Davis, Landon Eccles, I, I think that's really impressive and, and speaks to, you know, I, I would like, I, I guess I would like to have seen what they did in the film room with those guys when, when you don't have a lot to show them. And again, you know, Jacob Warren quintupled anything he'd ever done before, same for prison fan, but still it's not like you were able to show them just a, a, a prolific tight end in, in this offense, but golly, man, that's again, I mean, I'm, I'm being redundant, but I think it's pretty impressive to land Ethan Davis and Eccles based off, you know, nothing more than you had to show him in, in one year in Knoxville. And, and, hey, holding Ethan Davis for, long, for, for for how they've held him here, and he's yeah. never wavered, that, that that's a relationship. We, you talk about building relationships and recruiting, and that's how you recruit. And, look, we get all caught up in the NIL, and I, I get it. I mean, every kid that – Every kid that the rivals your rival school gets from you, it's going to be because of NIL. And every kid you don't get, it's going to be because of NIL because that's the new reasoning for everything. But but for a guy like Ethan Davis to commit, really without even seeing the Tennessee offense, as Rob was just talking about, and for him to never waver through this, that's a heck of a job of recruiting by this Tennessee staff. I, I don't I don't think there's enough credit given. Uh, for what they've done in recruiting that kid and, and, and him never wavering and, and never looking at anywhere else in the process. 
Yeah, I mean, you every time he goes to a seven on seven camp, you know, he shows up, <laughs> seems to show up on a you know, here, here's 10 guys that stood out, and they're Ethan Davis. Yep. Yeah, and, and you look at the video that we got with him uh, a couple of weeks ago, it just looks like a kid who is in love with Tennessee. Um, and you know, Ole Miss, you know, came knocking a couple months ago, and you know, he called him up, say, No, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere else, just Tennessee, and he's been consistent with that, so I couldn't agree more. I think that's a uh, a really, really good job to holding on to him. Uh, let's talk Tyler, Tyree Weathersby real quick, and then I want to get to a, a baseball note with Ben here as we close things up. Um, Tyree Weathersby, I think that he's a guy that um, you know is very, very athletic. He's six foot five, two fifty, and can add about thirty more pounds to him. Um, he's very athletic. He can, I think, he can play that Leo spot. I see him more as a defensive end in this defense. Uh, but this is another guy, just like John Slaughter, Ben, just like Jeremiah T. Lander. Um, that Tennessee has liked for quite some time. His recruitment really blew up there in the month of January, but able to get him jump into the boat, and that was on a Friday, and adds, uh, the, I believe it's the ninth commit for Tennessee on the defensive side of the football. Yeah, it, it was a name that Austin threw in the war room months ago, uh, kind of at the, the beginning of, of this cycle, a, a guy that uh, Tennessee really liked and continued to evaluate, and and he finally jumped in, in the boat. And, and I would say that, that, that's been, and this is a bigger question that we don't have time to get into, but I, I've been a little surprised uh, by the lack of defensive line recruiting. Now, Tennessee finished the class last year very strongly along the defensive line with, with Tyree West, but uh, with, with Rodney Garner leading the way, I, I kind of thought that, uh, that there would be more of an impact, uh, I, I guess you could say, but Tyree Weathersby, he's quick, he's athletic. They, they need help at defensive end like crazy. You're not going to win in this league, whether – uh, unless you win in the trenches offensively and, and defensively. So it, it's a big help there. And uh, a, a guy that probably not at the top of Georgia's board uh, as a Georgia native, but uh, still a guy that Tennessee should be able to go in and, and get with Ryan Garner, given his ties to the state of Georgia. On that note, Brent, you were asked this in the uh, the chat last night. You know, wh- why is it the, the lack of interior defensive linemen in this class? Just Just not a lot of them, correct? I don't. I mean, that's there's not an abundance of them, you know. In in terms of big time talented guys, that there's not a bunch of them that way. Uh, for one, two, there's not a there's not an elite school in the country that's going to turn a good one away. You know, Rob, they're always going to make room for for an interior defensive lineman. Nick Saban's always going to have a spot for one. Clemson's always going to have a spot. Ohio State. I mean, you don't turn that position away. There have been some guys at Tennessee. Um, had a hard time get had a hard time getting to campus. Uh, I think that's a position that they probably uh, moving forward probably have to offer some guys earlier just to get in the game and get them on campus. I think that's a, a, something that you have to adjust to a, a little bit, and um, you know we'll we'll see. Uh, but but that's that's an elite position. There's not a ton of them out there running around. I mean there are, but there's not a ton of elite ones out there running around at this point. You know to be. This may be old fashioned, but I, to me, one, especially in college, and maybe more so in the SEC, but once you get get past quarterback, I mean, I, I think defensive line is the most important position. And again, that's that's one man's opinion, and others may vary. But I mean, if and again, it's old fashioned thinking. But if you can't stop the run in, in this league, I don't, I don't care how people are throwing it around. You're you're going to get bullied. And regardless, you you've you've got to get after the passer, whether that comes from the edge and or the interior. You can see you can still you know rush the quarterback through the through the A and the B gaps as well. 
Uh, last thing here on this uh, edition of the VolQuest podcast, Ben McKee, Tennessee baseball, reeled in a transfer third baseman uh, from Alabama in Zane Denton. Uh, what, what's his projections look like, and can he be a guy for Tennessee on the left side of the diamond next year? Yeah, I mean, he, I would expect for him to, to start at third base. You're losing Trey Lipscomb and Zane Denton, a, a guy that maybe didn't have his best year this past season, especially in SEC play, but uh, he, he still led Alabama in some offensive categories, and uh, he's a power hitter and a switch hitter, but from the left side of the plate in Lindsey Nelson Stadium with that short right porch, I imagine him to, to hit a lot of home runs in Lindsey Nelson, and uh, two years ago, he was on the SEC all-defensive team. So uh, Tennessee making some some headway there on the, the transfer portal. In the transfer portal, picked up the, the catcher from Austin P. Jack Alexander as well. And uh, still waiting to hear on, on Paul Skeens, uh, a guy that's playing with the USA Collegiate team right now and uh, is pitching for them. So uh, I don't think that that's any indication as, as to his plans. He's just keeping things really close to the vest and uh, taking his time right now and uh, visiting some schools in and around the, the USA Collegiate team. But uh, Zane Denton, Jack Alexander, uh, two guys that I would expect to, to start next season and uh, don't want to get caught with your pants down, especially with the catcher from Austin P uh, waiting around on schemes. Don't don't want to get caught with your pants down and him go elsewhere, and then you'd be stuck in a similar situation the last year when you had to move Evan Russell from left field uh, to catcher. But both of those pickups are, are really nice pickups for Tony Vitello. Plenty going on right now in the month of July, recruiting-wise, as Brent and AP have said. We'll see what happens over the next couple of weeks, see what this class could look like here first of August. There are plenty of targets uh, Tennessee is very much involved with that will be coming off the board in the next week, in the next uh, two to three weeks, so plenty to uh, – be on the lookout for here at ballquest.com. Smoky Mountain Organics brings you this edition of the Ballquest podcast, 8018 Kingston Pike. That's the location in Knoxville. It's right across the street from the Traders Joe's, and you can always shop online at smokymountainorganics.com. Be sure to follow, subscribe to the Ballquest channel on YouTube every single time we post a podcast, we post an interview. You will get it there fo- first. So go ahead and follow us uh, at YouTube by searching Ballquest. For Rob Lewis, Ben McKee, and Brent Hubbs, I'm Eric Kane. Thanks so much for joining us here on this edition of the VolQuest Podcast. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday afternoon, everybody. You've been listening to the VolQuest Podcast every week here on VolQuest.